Welcome to Zurich's Risk Insight series on coronavirus, what businesses need to know now. I'm Cam Robbins from Zurich North America. As 2020 winds down, we wanted to take some time to reflect. To put it mildly, it's been a crazy year. Businesses have had to pivot and adjust how they operate for the sake of their employees and their customers. We started this podcast back in March to help businesses navigate the stream of emerging and continually changing challenges that were thrown their way. Throughout this year, our episodes covered everything from contact tracing and face masks to how schools and businesses should look at potential risks. When our risk engineers spoke about the myriad of risk situations facing offices, warehouses, manufacturing facilities, and other places of business, some common themes emerged. No matter which type of business they were talking about, one of these themes was the importance of reviewing your response documents and communicating those plans clearly. In this episode, we wanna recap those episodes and share some highlights with you. When discussing tips for school response plans, Julie Bolton, Vice President of Casualty Risk Engineering said, The plan has to be a living document. It has to be practiced, it has to be rehearsed. If they are not practiced and rehearsed, they don't work. When I began my career, I started by writing environmental plans, which included response plans. And those that were the most effective were the ones that were rehearsed. The ones that got taken off the shelf and kept off the shelf and used and revisited. And so if there's an incident at a school, they execute the plan. They need to then go back and say what worked, what didn't, how do we tweak this? Fred Myatt reiterated this idea when he talked about how your business could conduct a hazard analysis and brainstorm risk scenarios. And congratulations to Fred, who is now one of our technical underwriters. When Fred recorded this episode, he was the assistant vice president and casualty technical director. Just as the COVID-19 situation is dynamic, so too is your hazard analysis. Hazard analyses are living documents that should be reviewed regularly and updated as needed. Scenarios can be added and reevaluated for probability and severity. State-of-the-art controls today may need to be changed tomorrow in response to new discoveries. Using the analysis to be thoughtful about our controls and our new normal is not only necessary to address risk, it can really inspire confidence in customers and employees alike. So what we're seeing is with so much uncertainty now, helping your customers and employees feel confident in your business is important. And I would think welcome, but it's not just about having a plan. Communication is key. Just a few months ago, Alan Roberts, Senior Health and Safety Risk Management Consultant with Zurich North America, spoke about contact tracing and how it could work in businesses. One point was employees' understandable concern for privacy. Alan mentioned that your HR business partners are a fantastic resource in this situation. Here are some other important thoughts Alan shared. Contact tracing should be part of a larger strategy. It cannot just be hanging out there on its own. And so while um, your HR business partners are working to uh, minimize any apprehensions on the part of the employees, there should be a greater strategy, a larger strategy that has been fully communicated to the employees, including contact tracing, so that they understand what they can expect, okay? So there should be a written, a written plan 
for communicating how this whole process of contact tracing will work. And of course, any concerns relative to work at home or um, any, any uh, uh, benefits that need to be uh, leveraged because they are going to have to manage the illness, et cetera, et cetera. So again, it should be part of a larger conversation and should be part of a more comprehensive process or plan that the employer is using. However, your employees aren't all you should consider. For businesses or schools that may have to communicate to people outside of their employees, Julie Bolton discussed having pre-written scripts for any emails that might have to be sent. I encourage you to check out episode 24 for more information on that. But continuing on this theme of constantly updating plans, Jerry Kane, Vice President of Cyber Risk Engineering, wants to make sure businesses, large and small, are thinking about their cyber resilience plans. But it seems to me that the greatest lesson we should take away from the pandemic has to do with preparedness. What we have witnessed over the last three months is crisis response on a global level taken to its extreme. Every business, local, county, and state government, and even individuals were forced into some form of crisis management. Some were able to respond better than others. One of the reasons that many were not prepared for the pandemic and did not respond well was because they believed that something like this will never happen. In the work I do on a daily basis, I hear that phrase over and over. Organizations rationalize living with less than optimal cybersecurity because we are too small to attract hackers, or we don't have anything that anyone would want to steal. As to the first statement, surely we now understand that something like this can happen, and certainly the results can be catastrophic. As to the second statement, you don't have to possess something that a hacker wants to steal. All you have to have is an opening, some vulnerability that allows a bad guy entry, and he will exploit that opportunity to interrupt business and maybe even demand a ransom. So as we transition back to normal operations, this may be a great time to reevaluate your approach to cybersecurity as a whole and cyber resilience in particular. We've just heard a lot about business-wide plans, but what about plans on a more individual level? Most experienced business travelers know that knowing airline guidelines ahead of time and being prepared can help make your trip go more smoothly. Larry Carrero, Assistant Vice President and Senior Consultant with Zurich North America, says that knowing guidelines ahead of time also helps cut down on points of contact because you know those procedures and don't need to stop and ask questions. Take advantage of the many online tools and mobile device apps available to you, including online reservation systems, online check-in tools, online tools to select and confirm your seat assignment to maximize physical distancing if possible, and if allowed, Scan your own boarding pass using your mobile device. Wear a mask or face covering whenever indoors at the airport and on board the plane. Avoid touch points whenever possible. For baggage check-in, when available, use self-service check-in kiosks to minimize interactions with airline staff. So what if you need to travel for business by car? Compared to air travel, it may seem like a very safe choice, but being on the road also poses pandemic-related risks, including points of contact and potential transmission of the virus from surfaces in your company or personal vehicle. 
try and follow these best practices. Maintain an adequate supply of PPE, masks, gloves, or anything else required in your vehicle. Do not store alcohol-based hand sanitizer in a vehicle. Make sure any sanitizer you keep in the car is not flammable. Wear a mask or face covering when entering convenience stores, gas stations, restaurants, or other businesses you stop at on your trip. Larry mentioned wearing masks while traveling, and many localities have mask requirements. While I feel like I have a good understanding of masks, it never hurts to have a refresher course. And Julie Barbaro, Senior Risk Engineering Consultant with Zurich North America, has a great explainer. Well, let's take some time to understand the differences between face coverings, face masks, and respiratory protection. Cloth face coverings protect others from the wearer's respiratory emissions. It can help prevent those who may have the virus and do not know it from spreading it to others. Cloth face coverings are not proven to protect the wearer and are not considered respiratory protection. The CDC recommends cloth face coverings in public settings. The CDC website offers a lot of great information on cloth coverings, including how to make your own. Surgical masks, those familiar blue pleated face masks protect wearers against large droplets, splashes or sprays of bodily or other potentially hazardous fluids. They also help protect others from the wearer's respiratory emissions. These loose fitting masks do not provide the wearer with a reliable level of protection from inhaling smaller airborne particles. So they are not considered respiratory protection. The CDC notes that these masks are intended for use by healthcare and death care workers, should only be used once and should not be shared. OSHA does not offer specific guidance on these masks and does not regulate them. Fit testing is not required. The next two items of respiratory protection are not intended for the general public, but reserved for those in very high or high risk settings, according to OSHA. N95 respirators, also called filtering face pieces, protect wearers by reducing exposure to particles, small particle aerosols, and large droplets. They filter out 95% of airborne particles. The CDC recommends these respirators be used by healthcare and death care workers. They should only be used once and should not be shared. Anyone wearing an N95 respirator must follow OSHA guidelines, which you can find on its website. Companies using this equipment must also have a written respiratory protection program. Fit testing is required for anyone required by their employer to wear an N95 and the wearer must be clean shaven. Half mask respirators are, when worn correctly, more protective than N95 respirators for procedures that are likely to generate aerosols. The CDC offers no guidance on their use, but OSHA notes they could be needed for workers in very high and high risk exposure work environments and used when N95s are not available. Those wearing half mask respirators must follow specific OSHA guidelines and companies using this equipment must have a written respiratory protection program. If a half mask is required PPE, fit testing is required and the wearer must be clean shaven. Julie mentioned high and high risk. She wrote an article on our website that goes into more details on the four risk categories established by OSHA. 
I recommend checking it out and I'll put the link to our article in the show notes. The COVID-19 pandemic of 2020 was real, not a test. And the lessons learned from the event are real and painful. The phrase, never let a good crisis go to waste, has been repeated in a cynical manner many times, but I believe that it has some value in the context of current events. Cities, states, and the federal government will certainly be revisiting their pandemic crisis management policies and procedures in the near term. Wouldn't this also be a good time to revisit your crisis, risk management, and incident response procedures? I agree with Jerry. This is a great time for businesses to do that. And I think that's a good note to end on. From all of us here at Zurich North America, we wish you a holiday season of rest and rejuvenation after such a challenging year. The Risk Insights Coronavirus Podcast will be on hiatus and not posting new episodes until the beginning of the new year. We'll continue to post reruns in case you missed some of our earlier episodes. So watch your notifications every Wednesday morning and we'll see you next year. Bye and stay well. The information in this audio recording was compiled from sources believed to be reliable for general information purposes and is intended for Zurich clients and business partners. The information contained herein may be useful to you or your enterprise when developing your own policies and procedures. The policies and procedures applicable to your enterprise should take into account the specific circumstances of your business and business environment, which is beyond the capacity of this podcast. Any and all information provided is not intended to constitute advice of any nature and is specifically not legal advice, and accordingly, you should consult with your own legal counsel. We do not guarantee the accuracy of this information presented or any results and further assume no liability in connection with this recording and the information provided therein. Moreover, Zurich reminds you that the information provided cannot be assumed to contain every acceptable safety and compliance procedure or that additional procedures might not be appropriate under the circumstances. The subject matter of this recording is not tied to any specific insurance product, nor will adopting these policies and procedures ensure coverage under any insurance policy. We encourage listeners to seek additional information from credible sources. Thank you.